Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, Johnny Jumitson. We're here with a special guest. He is former member of Team USA Baseball. He was the ace for UConn Huskies. And now he's a San, Di- San Diego Padres draft pick, Mason Fioli. What is up, Mason? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Is that how you say the last name, though? Just, just to clarify? Yeah, Fioli. Okay. Fioli. A little bit of – is it Italian? Italian, yeah. Okay, that's why I yep. got it right. I'm just dialed in. I'm just yeah, good at the last go. names. Usually, I usually screw them up. <laughs> but uh, let, let's go into it for a second here. I wanted to bring up something. I mean, you're a member of Team USA. You played with us a couple weeks ago, Zach Hess. Let's get some dirt on Hess. What's up with Hess? Give us – do you have any funny stories about him? Uh, he's just a competitor, man. I mean, it was always fun to watch him, uh, you know, go out and do his thing. And, you know, you can just see the intensity all the time. like. He had an off switch, um, but he's he's a little bit like me, where it's just like when it's time to compete, he's like he's locked. Um, but he he was a super funny guy. He was one of the funniest guys on our team, and I always enjoyed being around him and hanging out with him. And obviously, it's great to see what he's doing right now, being uh, on the on the sixty man with the Tigers and uh, trying to follow him from afar. Um, but yeah, he he was a wild guy. He had some good like uh, imitations and and some funny jokes. Um, he was, yeah, you know, that type of guy that just kept people loose and um, he, he just fun to be around. And can we start this narrative also? Because you actually, believe it or not, you followed the podcast first. So sick podcast yeah. we got going yeah. here. Can we classify you as a fan of Officially Unofficial? Uh, yeah, I think I saw the first episode with uh, with Osik, right? Yeah. From uh, U- UCF. Yeah. It just kind of came up in my suggestions. I thought it was cool. There it is. All right, we're doing. We're ma- we're making moves here. We're making numbers. You just actually. Love to see I think that. it was another thing. Uh, you guys reached out to Dontro Willis. Yeah. Right? Well, let, let Dontro Willis. Is... I, it kind of fired me up that he said he'd come on, and I saw you guys didn't have too many followers, and I was like, "That's pretty cool." That yeah, the, a little bit of yeah, banner on Twitter. Yeah, the thing about Dontrell here is he's a heartbreaker. I mean, this guy said he'd come on for about six weeks now. He said he's come on. I think it's been six weeks. I could be over-exaggerating five weeks. And he's he's big league twice, but I'm not giving up. And the thing is, I said I would wear a 90, Amir Garrett front of the program. I said I would wear Amir Garrett fastball <laughs> if Dontrell would come on the podcast. And Dontrell, That's right. I think that's what was like I gotta follow this guy and Dontrell is Dontrell is making me borderline have to risk a rib I, I I'm seriously I might have to go to a baseball facility I tweeted this out I might have to go to a face baseball facility near me and wear a 95 mile an hour fastball because Dontrell if this is what I have to he's do worth to it him, he's worth it he is worth it and you have a massive leg kick which is something I also wanted to talk about because that's why I guess Dontrell you like Dontrell was that originated from Dontrell Willis uh in a way yeah I loved watching him pitch when I was younger um, I, I absolutely loved watching him pitch and Andy Pettit, uh, but it actually came, I was, uh, I used to like, obviously I was a Yankee fan growing up. Uh, so Jabba Chamberlain was the guy, uh, in terms of like being fun to watch when you're a little kid, like through a hundred when no one else really threw a hundred. And, um, he used to point his toe like directly to the ground and as an uncoordinated 10, 11 year old, I thought I was pointing my toe to the ground like Jabba trying to throw really hard and it resulted in me just kicking my leg as high as I could up in the air when I was on the mound. So, I mean, I stuck with it and uh, I think it really helped me like, you know, get into my lower half and, and move efficiently at a, at a young age being a little bit smaller. So um, yeah, I, I guess a little bit of both. For sure. For sure. And, and I would, I used to love Dontrell. I mean, that's why I want him on the podcast. Cause I just want to ask him about his days when he was literally a celebrity, like where he couldn't probably go anywhere. He was, I believe rookie of the year, won a Absolutely, world series. Yeah. He's just a legend especially playing down there. And you must've hated him cause you were a Yankee fan, right? Cause he just carved the Yankees asses up his whole career. Right? Yeah. See, I was like too young to remember him doing that. And I knew he had, um, but I, I remember like really loving him. Like when I first started learning about baseball, like, 2006 2007 yeah and he had just gotten traded over over to Detroit with Miggy um so I kind of missed like the era of Dontrell just being an absolute like the best pitcher in baseball for a while so it was um kind of the backswing 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I guess that I got to watch him and like actually remember it. Yeah, because I was uh, I'm I'm born in '97, so I I was definitely obviously too young to kind of remember mm-hmm. what he was doing and all that kind of stuff. And when you're at you, because I want to talk about UConn now, because UConn isn't really. Would you say this? Like, this is not me throwing a shot at UConn. Would you say <laughs> UConn is a, like known as a baseball school? I, I don't think we're known yet. I, I think we should be because we have eight guys on sixty man rosters, including six guys in the major leagues. Um, so I definitely think that def- puts us up there with a lot of other colleges in terms of baseball, but you know, it's really, I don't want to say difficult. It's nice to have kind of national recognition for anything, but we're definitely a women's basketball school. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're definitely a basketball town. You know, everyone in Connecticut loves their basketball, loves the, you loves the Yukon Huskies, especially going to stores to Gamble Pavilion, watching games. Um, and that's obviously what we're known best for other than cows and ice cream. Yeah. Uh, but we're women's basketball first, but I, I do think uh, in terms of athletics goes, it, we definitely hit the nail on the head um, in other areas too. And baseball just happens to be a, a big one for us. So what'd you say? Cause I believe this was your sophomore year. You kind of went off. I believe you went eight and two with like a two, seven, eight or something around that line. Um, would you say you were kind of a celebrity at UConn or was it still <laughs> overshadowed by the women's basketball team? Um, women's basketball over always overshadows. Um, I mean, even guys like Byron Jones and George Springer, you know, uh, Crystal Dangerfield and, and uh, Katie Lou Samuelson will have bigger names on campus than guys that are playing at a high level. And, and, and as it should be, I mean, when you win that much and you got a coach like uh, Gino and, you know, just the culture there, it, it's a trickle down effect because you know what they breed and teach um, for that program uh, for anyone, men and women. Uh, we really do try to emulate a lot of what they do because they win. I mean, when you win, uh, you got a big target on your back and you're seen when you win at as high as a level as they do and are, you're considered the, the number one program in history of, of basketball and collegiate women's, you yeah. know. It's a it's a it's a hard thing to follow up. So here's a here's a funny question that I think you might die at and the listeners might die at. Would the guys on the baseball team or just guys in general at the school DM <laughs> the women's basketball team? Like would you guys like would guys on the team try to like let's say I won't get into any specifics, but uh they're definitely celebrities and uh people like being friends with them uh for the wrong reasons sometimes. Uh but they're they're great people and a lot of them i had friend, a few friends on the team and um you know they they like to be treated as just normal yukon students so yeah no for sure that i understand that i'm just saying like would guys in the basketball team let or the guys in the baseball team try to like <laughs> let's say wife one of them up and like i guess just not 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 be a celebrity but just kind of like i mean you'd see a good looking girl on the basketball team would guys on the baseball team try to shoot their shot that's all i'm asking just what college yeah, people do i i'd say absolutely um my my one of my good friends cj dano is gonna hate me for this but he had a big crush on katie lou uh when i was there with him and katie lou actually for his birthday sent him a little like uh, cameo birthday uh, video message <laughs> last year. <laughs> and it was, it was a funny thing in our team. Cause like all the trainers and stuff and all the staff knew that he kind of had this like little kid crush on her. Yeah. And uh, she, she kind of played along with it. So I, I definitely say, yeah. That's electric. Like, see that, that is, that's comedy right there because the, those like the girls at UConn basketball are the best athletes at the, like not at the school but they're the best female athletes in my opinion for like in the nation like they like that basketball team what that basketball team was able to do is is able to do is like incredible the fact that how how much they win how how resilient they are they just keep winning they always keep every they just always keep winning so yeah it's 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 uh it is amazing and it it's funny because i got picked up by the padres and i fly out to arizona sign my contract and, and all that. And I get picked up from the airport. And the first thing that the guy uh, driving the, the car asked me is, how was the women's basketball team? <laughs> just uh, just a complete ricochet shot at you. Just hate to see it. And doesn't even ask what you do. Just has to ask yeah. what's the women's basketball yeah, team. Yeah, he noticed I had my UConn backpack. And he was like, you going to any of the women's basketball games? <laughs> like, absolutely, sir. Yeah, of course I am. And what – so this is a question because, like I said, we're from Canada. Um, 
what is it like when the women's team wins a national championship at UConn? Like, is the city going bananas? Are the bars packed? Are people just getting mangled? Like, what's the atmosphere there? Yeah, so I didn't actually get to be on campus for a national championship. Um, my freshman year, they fell short. And then the next, the following two, they also fell short. So I never got to see it. But the year they won both men and women, I think it was 14 or 15, I had played with a few seniors um, my freshman year that were there, and they said campus was was wild. I mean, like having both teams win, uh, it was absolutely hectic. We were at the the game they won a hundred straight. We Holy were there, and they were shit. dropping fake money from the ceiling with Gino's face on it. Oh and my like God. even even just that game, like campus was nuts. Like people were. We're pretty excited. What's the like? What's the party life there at UConn? Because I know, like in the southern schools, they get after it. Like, there's a ton of sororities, ton of frats, a uh, ton of people just getting after it in general. Is UConn uh, like a more of an academic school, or is there a ton of? Is it just kind of like what it is in the south? Like, there's a lot of parties, a lot of sororities and frats, just like frat row. Is it? What is yeah, it like? Yeah, we there? definitely have like frat life and and like all that stuff. Um, but for the most part. UConn in the past had been known as like a crazy, hectic party school. They used to do the walk and, you know, spring weekend was was crazy. But honestly, when I was there, it was pretty um, toned down, a little bit more lower key. I mean, as the more higher academic standards have climbed over the years, um, it's definitely kind of toned down a little bit. I mean, there, there's a lot to do, but not a lot to do. It's kind of your own fun and what you make of it. We're in the middle of nowhere. It's not really a city. There's like a few bars that everyone loves to go to, and those are like the the staples. Um, but for the most part, it's not crazy hectic. I'd, I'd say it's like your typical Northeast state school. Uh, it's not as like crazy as like a URI, but it's um it's definitely a, a big. Uh, I won't say like crazy Southern Alabama LSU type party school, but um, there's definitely a, a good. Uh, camaraderie if you'd you'd have it uh at UConn yeah and be honest here I mean a guy like you that carved that was on team USA all that kind of stuff did a part of you kind of out of high school want to go SEC like how bad did you want to go to the SEC or the Big Ten and like go just kind of experience life in a different part of the country yeah you know I was between Boston College and UConn I wasn't really heavily recruited at a high school um but you know when I stepped foot on on campus uh, I kind of knew that I wanted to to play play at UConn. We had Anthony Kay, who was about to be a first round draft pick, um, and you could uh, even when I was in high school, you could look to the big leagues and see guys like Nick Ahmed and Scott Oberg and Matt Barnes and George Springer that were playing major league baseball. And I knew for me the options I had, it was probably the best shot to you know play after college, and if not, uh, play in a in a as we call it at the time, Power Six Conference yeah. against some pretty good competition. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I would have done to have had the opportunity to maybe play at an SEC school or a bigger uh, name brand school, if you will. Um, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't change uh, my path or um, choosing UConn for the world. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, watching Hesse over at LSU or – you know, playing with those guys with USA, it is pretty different. You know, I had a different outlook on on a lot of things than a lot of the SEC guys that pretty much played like a professional brand of college baseball. Yeah. You know, it's just like and the thing about the SEC, what I could say is, is at the SEC and I guess Power Five in general, they their facilities are literally big league facilities, right? I mean, their weight rooms are look like just full on, like they're like two story. They have everything. They have mats. They have all the kind of stuff that's like a major league team would have, right? So the when you go down into the south, like you go to those schools, it's like it's just a new beast, right? I mean, it's completely different. And do you feel like guys from like around where we're from, I guess, where you got you're from close to, close to Canada, like north, I guess we'd call it. You're from North U.S. Is that what we call it? Northeast, Northeast, Northeast USA. I'm actually, I'm a Rhode Islander. Yeah. So we we're, we're tiny. Yeah, exactly. We, we so nothing. Do you think that SEC schools just don't recruit from this side because there's so many people in the South, like so many prospects in the South? Uh, yeah. I mean, we went down to Texas, uh, my freshman year, second weekend and every guy was from, you know, the Austin to Houston to Dallas area. 
you know, that whole roster was Texas, Texas, Texas. Uh, you look at our roster, we got guys from all over the country for the most part. I mean, it's mainly rooted in Northeast, we, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, stuff like that. Uh, but we got guys from California and Florida and stuff like that and kind of pick and choose from all over the country. Um, but honestly, I think recently Vanderbilt kind of started the trend of coming and getting guys from the Northeast, like the Tyler Beatties. Um, a guy that trains in our, our gym, Hops Athletic Performance, just committed to Vanderbilt a week or so ago. Um, so I think the buzz is out about, you know, uh, Jared Schuster is another one, a first rounder out of, out of Wake Forest this year, was from uh, Massachusetts. You know, so I think there's a lot of guys um, from the Northeast that are starting to get a little bit more recognition now that, you know, the Twitter and Pitching Ninja and all that stuff. Like, you know, you get recruited yeah. on Twitter just throwing a video up now. Um, so I, I think we're moving into more of a situation where in terms of recruiting, it doesn't really matter where you're from. You can throw the crap out of the baseball or you can hit 400-foot home runs. Uh, you're going to get picked up and you're going to go somewhere good. Um, and then at that point, it's a little more of a preference thing, whether you want to stay home close to family or you want to go away to a bigger school. For sure. And, and UConn baseball – I mean, I wanted to talk about that second year you had there. I mean, you, that's the year you made USA, right? Like, that's the year you kind of yep. put yep. your name on the map, 8-2, and 2-7, two, two, whatever, ERA. All I know is it was good. What was going <laughs> right for you that year, man? I mean, just thinking about this, right? I mean, you're just putting hitters in your back pocket. You're just carving. You're on Team USA. I guarantee you George Springer probably took recon recognition of it, maybe reached out to you. I don't know. Uh, how crazy was that year for you, man? Like, cause you just, like, well, let's say this, you came out of nowhere, literally. Right. I mean, just like out of nowhere, you're on team USA. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. Um, you know, we had two guys before that year that had, uh, played for USA, Anthony Kay, who's in the bigs with the blue Jays and Tim Kate, who's on the 60 man with the nationals. Um, and Timmy actually did back to back years before my year. Um, but I knew that was a goal that I had going into UConn. I knew that it was going to be probably difficult for me to get my name on the map if I didn't have a monster year um, to even be uh, recognized or considered. Um, but that year was just fun. We were, we were rolling as a team and, you know, uh, some of my best friends still talk to them every day from that team. And we just had fun. We went out there every, every, every weekend and, and try to beat the crap out of everyone we were playing. And it started with me on Fridays and I was, really thankful and grateful for that opportunity but it was as simple as that it was just going out there and and trying to beat the other guy and um good things happened um you know i i worked really hard to put myself in a position to to be really good for us um and i'm grateful that everything kind of panned out who's some of the teams that you guys played that you're like out of conference like some sec or yeah so our regional was big so we we knocked out coastal carolina um, and then Washington was in our regional that year. Holy uh, we shit. were, so Washington ended up going to the college world series and that's who we ended up losing to in that final. Um, and we were, we had a chip on our shoulder that whole regional because we had been RPI at 16 and wow. we had gone to coastal early in the year in like a midweek game and, and beat them. We put up like 10 runs in the first inning and we just mopped the floor in coastal Carolina and Myrtle beach the first time we had played them. And so we're in the, the selection process. I, I think we're flying back from somewhere. I forget where we're flying back from. Might've been like Tulane or Memphis. Um, but we were waiting to see where we were going to get placed. Actually, no, it was right after our, our, um, our conference tournament in Clearwater. We'd finished second. We lost to uh, ECU in the, they're in the nasty, conference. Though. They're nasty, though. They're, they're really good. They're nasty. Yeah. They, were, they were good all three years I faced them. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, we just finished second in our, re, our, our conference tournament. RPIs come out. We're 16th. So we're like, we are hosting. We got brand new Dunkin' Donuts Park in Hartford. We're ready to go. And the year prior, we had been the first team out. It was us in Miami that were one and two as the first team out of the 64. So my our year prior ended in a room watching crying seniors and guys about to be drafted having their college careers end in a in a conference room watching a projector and so we're pumped in the airport because we think we're going to host we got uh two possible spots that we might host in and then all of a sudden we get bounced from hosting and coastal carolina takes it over 
and then we sit down and watch our our selection show and we're the first team going to coastal carolina so that means we're the number one seed at all the twos because we're in the 16th seed bracket yeah and we're like we got this <laughs> you know yeah. we're gonna go we're gonna go down to coastal and we know we're better than coastal we already beat their their butts and um you know we're like all right we gotta we gotta face washington and liu brooklyn won't be too hard of a of a road um and it was a battle of a of a um a regional we lost game one to to washington um which kind of put us in a bad position but um yeah our, our season ended up ended right down there in myrtle beach uh, against Washington, who ended up going to that College World Series. Well, at least Coastal didn't beat you. Like the thing is, if Coastal beat you, then it just would have been a tough luck. If it, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Especially with the fact that they kind of got the seating, which is just a shitty bounce all in all. But when you're pl- like, because that was the year you ca- you carved, I believe, right? The, the second year, mm-hmm. when things are going that well for you, are you just you're just keeping in the same pregame routine? You're not changing anything up, and you're very superstitious. Are you a very superstitious guy? I'm not too superstitious. I'd say I'm more like routine oriented. I know what I need to do to be ready to go, whether it's like on the field or before the game or the night before and stuff like that. Um, so I'd say I'd consider myself more routine rather than superstitious. I don't think anything like is a reason for success other than like preparation. Exactly. No, I mean, I was very superstitious. It didn't work, but I was very superstitious. <laughs> and and when you're at when you're at when you're at UConn, you get drafted by the San Diego Padres a little bit. And this might this wasn't a chirp idea. This might even be me coming at you. Was did, did you go in the seventh round? Like, were you projected to go earlier than the seventh round? So I actually I was actually an eleventh round. Eleventh rounder, sorry, eleventh rounder. So yeah. um, that whole year, obviously playing USA, I thought I'd go much higher. Um, in January, I actually was throwing a preseason pen. Um, heard a pop in my elbow, uh, got an MRI. They told me I was fine. Rehab for two, three weeks. My arm hurt like hell the whole year. Uh, I pitched somehow up until like May, uh, threw a pretty good game against Wichita State, probably my best game of the year after really struggling for the first half of the season. Um, elected to do like that, uh, the pre-draft MRI. Uh, went, got an MRI, uh, thought I was fine. I was literally on Pitching Ninja the night before I got this MRI, right? What do you mean? So, really? So I uh, <laughs> um, pitch in the conference tournament, get lit up, pitching the regional get lit up like my worst start in three years um and I walk back into the clubhouse pretty pissed off and check my phone and I notice an email from Major League Baseball and that's when I felt like I that's when I found out I tore my UCL (laughs) and so I had been basically pitching on 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 the rims of my my car for my entire junior season um and you know by then I was the last person to find out that I needed Tommy John surgery and I, I needed it in January. Um, so I go into the draft with really high hopes and expectations. I knew I probably wasn't going to go where I wanted to in terms of like how my performance was my junior year, um, you know, because of that injury or whatever it may have been. And I don't want to blame anything, but um, I didn't put myself in the best position uh, to get ready for the draft. Um, not that I was focused on or thinking about it, um, but all 30 teams found out I needed TJ before I did. And our kind of draft day experience wasn't too bright. Yeah. Um, I ended up getting red flagged. Um, there was like rumblings, like still could have went like late day one or early day two. Um, at that point, you know, we took a gamble or just basically saying no to teams and trying to negotiate a deal out in the 11th round with like, you know, the free negotiation outside of the pool money and stuff like that. And, um, so it was, a, it, it was a very weird day. It's the day I kind of learned how much the business side of baseball really affects things. And, um, you know, it was a weird entry to professional baseball. I got surgery, uh, a month after I got drafted, I had signed on the last day and, uh, headed down to TMI in Dallas, Texas, Dr. Meister, um, did my surgery. Um, and now I'm a year and 11 or 12 days out of, of TJ surgery. 
Okay. Um, but yeah, last year was a, a crazy hectic year. A lot of question marks, a lot of ups and downs. Didn't really know what was going on. Um, but draft day was me finding out that I needed surgery and, um, you know, not exactly what I planned for, but at the end of the day, um, if you told 10 year old, 11 year old Mason that he was going to get drafted regardless, I'd be pretty happy. Well, I just want to say this, how much of like, how much of a dummy is the first doctor to say that you don't have anything wrong with you though? Like, yeah, I I don't want to like say anything specifically. Um, you know, it happens. Uh, the MRI could have been blurry and stuff like that. And I, when I, so I had a full tear of my UCL and I kid you not, I passed every single, uh, valgus testing. Uh, like I, I came back, I was still throwing high eights, low nines, which is down from where my velo was my, my sophomore year. Um, but I was starting to feel good and it made sense that like everyone involved like UConn medical had like kind of, uh, told me it was like a flexor pronator or something in my tricep and I was having soreness and we were able to knock it out where it didn't feel good. But because, you know, the first MRI said I was fine, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm healthy. I just suck. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going out every weekend, not really doing what I need to do to win. And, um, it was a struggle, you know, it was a, it was a big learning experience for me, um, mentally. Yeah, but speaking on that, though, I mean, just thinking about this, though, if, if the doctor says there's not something wrong with you, you pitch, and let's just say you kind of, obviously, I mean, you kind of hurt your draft stock with how your junior year went, correct? I mean, it, oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. you hurt your draft stock, you, you don't think there's anything wrong with you, but that just takes away a lot of, like, potential signing bonus money from you, right? I mean, they kind of, like, I know we won't speak bad on them, but they, like, it kind of <laughs> screwed you over for... I guess giving you a life-changing amount of money and getting the money that you deserve as a guy that was nasty and that deserves to be a high-round draft pick, right? I mean, yeah, and you know, like again, like I have no um, gripe with anyone that handled anything at UConn. Um, I, I just think it was it was unfortunate. It was bad luck on my end. Um, if anything, they did a lot to help me get back on the field, um, and obviously like you said, things didn't really go as planned for me. Um, but at the end of the day, I've been given a great opportunity to still play professional baseball. And that's the mindset that I've chosen to take for the last year. You know, um, hindsight in all things is, is really 2020 and that's more evident than anything. Um, but it, at this point, and even when I was in the position at UConn, you know, um, not letting the elements beat me or, uh, you know, mentally I could have just, you know, I could shut down and just, think about these things and uh, make them break me. But, you know, that's not a really good outlook in my opinion. I could rather just see what I have and be grateful for it and move on. And, you know, I'm, I know I'm still going to be a major league baseball player one way or another. So um, maybe I don't have a diff, maybe I don't have the easiest path uh, starting off. Um, but I do, um, you know, believe in the fact that um, I'm going to put the work in to get there and, you know, it's going to taste even better once I do. For sure. And I, I, my buddy, Nolan Kingham, used to play for Texas, plays for the Braves now. He actually had something happen opposite to him. So when he was in, like, when he was going into the draft, he got that pre-draft MRI. The doctor said, some, there, said there was something wrong with him where he had to not get surgery. I, I forgot what it was, but he, he, they said there was a red flag, right? And then he yep. gets drafted. He moves. I think he gets drafted set 12th round, 7th round, around there. So he, he, they ruin his draft stock, and then after the draft, he gets an, a following MRI, and there was nothing wrong with his arm. Now his arm is literally perfectly fine. So they, they, so they, they screwed him over the opposite way. They said there was something wrong when there wasn't. It's just crazy to look, to look onto that and see how, how quickly a major league team will just de, like de-stock, if that's a word, your value just based off of one thing, right? And it, it's crazy how much, like, I guess – it's just a business, man. It's just a business. It's all they really it care is. about, right? It is def it is definitely a business. Um and there's a lot of players uh to be dealt with. Um, you know, so um yeah, it was it was very not I don't want to say eye opening because, you know, going into the draft and being a baseball fan, you do know a lot about how it works and the business side of things. Um, but it definitely was pretty interesting to experience that firsthand. Um, and 
again, like I'm super grateful for the Padres uh, giving me the opportunity. Um, and, you know, they've made me feel like I was a top pick um, from the second I got into the organization. Um, so I, I can't say enough great things about them and, you know, the medical staff uh, out in Arizona uh, that really pushed me to, to get better. For sure. It's, and the fact that you even went, went 11, 11th round with a red flag attached to you is still pretty unreal, to be honest. Looking at it from, like, like you said, a positive side, going 11th round when there's allegedly a problem with your arm mm-hmm. and there's a red flag is still insane. Just goes to kind of shine light on how nasty you were your freshman or sophomore year, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, who knows how the draft would have went uh, otherwise. Um, there, Like I said, it was a full – two, three days of negotiations and saying yes and no and, and money talks. And I won't get into any too much specifics, um, but it was definitely a good uh, safety net. So when you say money talks though, cause I know you said you wouldn't go into it. But when you say money talks, is that mean like a team is willing to take you at a higher draft pick, but you have to take lower money because of the red flag. Is that what that means? So we basically like played a game of roulette <laughs> in yeah. a way. You know, it was like, hey, uh, if you want to take a gamble for money that I maybe would have gotten before the draft, uh, if I had been healthy, then let's wait till the 11th round. Or do you want to, like, settle for what you would get anyway in the 11th round just to say you were a fifth or sixth rounder, you know? So it was yeah. it was sort of like that. Um, it was definitely a big negotiation. And, and obviously on day two and day three, everything happened super quickly. Um, teams kind of have their minds made up before the days or a few hours before the draft starts. Um, But it is, it's definitely a business. Okay. So ideally, I mean, so ideally what they would be saying is, is for you to get 11th round money by going in the fifth round, which is, I mean, it's all it is. Ideally is just you saying, listen, I'm a fifth round draft pick. There's no, not really much to it. Like there's still the same value in the signing bonus in, in both picks. Right. Is that, is that just a joke? Yeah, it's 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 definitely a little more complicated than that in terms of how like you know you see it this year like how teams manipulate the money in the draft, um, and I'd love to get into this stuff uh, if when I'm done playing uh, to maybe help future players um, learn or understand or even go into like you know the player agent side of things, um, but it definitely is it's such a business and uh, negotiations are are so. Um, intriguing and and uh the small details really do come into play yeah and if you look at the draft from this year i was just thinking about that you would have guys that went in the first round signing for like late late money like or like Mm -hmm. even and i would be looking at it i'd be like damn man like i mean i get i guess it makes sense but you would have guys going i like third round signing for like 50k like just insane. yeah and it was it, it was really weird i mean it really hurt the guys that you know were the guys that probably would have went from the fifth to the to the 15th yeah um and it and it helped guys in some ways but it was a very interesting draft and that's not a knock to anyone or any player like if you get drafted you're you're you have the opportunity to be just as good as anyone else in that draft regardless of what pick around it was um and so, you know, you're getting the same opportunity, maybe not the same payment or the same amount of chances, but in the end, grand scheme of things, you are playing in the same organization. Um, but, yeah, you know, in the fifth round draft, it was a little weird to watch. And, you know, I have a lot of friends and, and, and buddies that probably should have uh, had their shot at playing professional baseball this year, guys that I played with at UConn and Summer Ball and stuff like that. Um, that unfortunately didn't get that opportunity, you know, and I spent the the last year with Kyle McGrath rehabbing Tommy John, the 37th rounder drafted after Johnny Menzel pitched in the Arizona fall league and also made the big leagues for parts of three seasons. So guys that, you know, myself wouldn't have gotten drafted this year is really tough to see. Oh, for sure. And there's one guy that got drafted. I, I mean, not just one guy. He's the first overall pick. Spencer Torkelson. <laughs> I believe you played with him, right? On I did. USA. I roomed with him. How much of a freak Spencer. is that guy? Like, just <laughs> he is. He's a great. First of all, he's a great guy. Awesome roommate. Uh, just fun to be around. Kind of, kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Rob Gronkowski type. Just super loose, but freak, freak athlete. Obviously, 
um, yeah, it was fun watching him go about his stuff every day. And uh, we all knew it. Um, you know, Adley Rushman and Andrew Vaughn were on that team. Um, and they kind of set the tone for, okay, that's what like a first overall type player looks like. And, and uh, Torque was no uh, step below that. You know, he was just fun to be around and fun to watch play. Dude, there's there's a like there's a call that that guy and another guy that I really want to get on this podcast is Max Meyer. I that that guy <laughs> is Golden Gopher. That guy is an electric factory and we kind of he, he is a beast. And we're kind of like this podcast is kind of I mean, University of Minnesota kind of wrote an article about this podcast and we had Taryn Vaver on. So yep. Max Meyer, I mean, if we could make that possible, let's get Max let's get Max Meyer I, on the podcast. I pod. think I think Maxie should get on here. Yeah, I I love Max. He's a, he's a great kid too. Really good friend. Um, spent a lot of time around him with with USA and always always bust him up about being from Minnesota. Give him the accent here. And, and I there. saw that he chirped you on a picture because there was a picture of you with Team USA. <laughs> and I did my research. Picture with you on Team USA. He was and, a little upset with me. And Max Meyer commented <laughs> on it. Was this taken with a Motorola? A oh, Motorola okay. X. You know. What, yeah. I know exactly what picture. There's another picture. He got mad at me for not tagging him. I was like, dude, you're out of focus. And I was like, oh, I'll throw you the tag. Yeah. But well. uh, yeah, it probably was taken with a Motorola. I think my dad had like a flip phone when he took that picture. And but. first of all, I wanted to ask you this. How, how surreal is it for you to get the call to play for Team USA? Like, where were you? What were you doing? And how did you celebrate? It was pretty cool. I was actually... I took a drive home. I'm only like an hour from campus. Um, I had gotten a text the day before from my head coach, Coach Penders, and he was like, hey, Mace, uh, Coach Palmineri from LSU is going to probably give you a call in the next coming days to test your waters about playing for USA. And I was like, cool. Like, that's this is happening. That's pretty cool. Like, I had set that as my goal from the beginning of the season. I knew I wanted to play uh, with the national team. I didn't tell anyone, but uh, I was like, I'm going to go out and try to be the best player I can be, and maybe I'll get a call. If I don't, who cares? I'll go back to the Cape, and uh, I'll try to tear it up there. But um, So I head home, uh, hang out with one of my best friends. We go down to the beach, hang out, do the Rhode Island thing for the day. We go to grab some ice cream, best ice cream in New England, probably the country, called Brickley's. Um, Free plug, free advertising. I grab, grab some ice cream. Uh, don't finish my ice cream because Coach Maneri calls me and invites me aboard. Um, and yeah, I drove home pretty fast. Told mom and dad, and uh, you know, it was it was surreal. Um, to know that you kind of set a goal internally and went out and actually did it, it was it was pretty cool. Um, and you know, to be something to be involved in something that's so much bigger than yourself to play for USA is was was really special you know it was different um than playing baseball anywhere else it just you know the game's the same but it just feels a little bit different um and i was just humbled and honored to get that opportunity um but yeah uh life went on went back to campus my buddies were pumped up mobbed me at practice and uh you know they did the brotherly thing and then you know flipped the switch it's time to go down to coastal carolina and pitch in a regional yeah i and <laughs> When you get invited and you're the only guy on your team that gets invited to Team USA, and you could be honest on this, was there a little part of you saying, I'm a dog, like this, I, <laughs> I run the show? Like, no, you know you run the show at UConn, like, holy shit, like I play for Team USA with uh, just a, a flood of first overall picks on the team? I, I don't really think so, to be honest. Like, if you knew the personalities of my teammates, like, and, like, they know me for who I am, like, I'm a goof, like, I'm – super late like not super laid back at all but I can be and I don't really you know I'm I I could care less about how well I do or my accolades and stuff like that you know I just I care more about being a good person and not making people feel like I'm 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 quite frankly an asshole you know so I I never really said much about it and I just kept it really reserved and uh, I think my teammates knew my focus was on us. Um, and I don't think there was ever a doubt in their minds. Um, you know, I, I hope that they don't think that I was ever like, oh, hey, look at me. But um, certainly, like, I had 
some of my best friends around me during that time. And, you know, they, they loved it and they supported me 100%. And, you know, it's, it's a credit to having really good teammates being a really good program. Well, see, that's why people are lucky it was you and not me on Team USA because I would have been the <laughs> cockiest human being of all time. Like, I would have wore my Team USA gear all the time. Like, I would actually ask people to thank me for my service if I was on Team USA. Like, hey, yeah. Hey, yeah, I knew it. I knew it was nothing because, you know, we had two guys prior that had just done it. Um, and, you know, like, we had we had a job to do. You know, we had business to to, to, to handle and – uh, one of the greatest things Coach Penders uh, kind of instilled in us in my three years at UConn and even still now is just the idea, you know, even if you win a championship, flip the switch the next day, it's over. Enjoy it for a little bit and it's over, you know. You're not – you're only as good as the you're – you're never as good as you think you are and you're never as bad as you think you are. You know, staying 72 degrees I think is really important. True. Um, this game can over really overwhelm you if you, you – you make your highs too high and if you make your lows too low, it can be a really, really tough thing for you. Okay. No, that's definitely a good way to look at it. But how, how nervous were you the first appearance for team USA? You had that oh, USA on your shitless. chest. You got, you got my boy Bryson Stott behind yeah, I was, you. I was scared shitless. You got Torkelson. You got Andrew. You got everyone. You got, you're throwing yeah. to Adley Rushman for Christ's sake. I look around the infield and they're all, they're all first round picks and we're playing Taipei. It's a, packed house in Cary, North Carolina. Um, I came in second. We have a no-hitter going. <laughs> and uh, uh, we ended up going into the ninth with the no-no. We almost threw a, a staff no-no. And, uh, you know, it was cool. Even the first batter I faced, I gave up a liner to, to Josh Young. And uh, he catches a bullet. And I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> When you when you're on um, these teams, when you're on these teams, right? I mean, you can get away with giving up like hard hit ground balls because you know that you have these guys yeah, behind you that are vacuums, absolutely. right? I think after that, um, I knew I was like, all right, here we go. I gotta sink my feet into the ground a little bit more and and breathe a bit here because this is it's time to go now. It's time to compete. You know, the, the butterflies of of the surrealness of doing what you wanted to do for so long. Have kind of gone away. What's the stat line? What was the stat line like for you in your whole tenure with Team USA? I think I was, I mean, and I won't remember any of my other stat lines, but this is the one I do remember. I think I was like eleven innings, two starts, zero earned, uh, zero runs given. <laughs> That'll up. play. Is that good? Just like nine. Is that good? Um, I, yeah, it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun. I asked this to ha- I asked this to Hess a couple weeks ago. Who's one guy that really, really stood out to you? I don't know if you listened to the episode. He said Adley Rutschman. Who's one guy that stood out to you during that whole during that whole Team USA stint? I mean, we talked about him, but Meyer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been saying to all my buddies since I played with him, like he's going to be the first pitcher taken in 2019 draft, or the 2020 draft. And uh, he was, so I was right. Um, but I, from the second I watched him pitch, like he, this dude is so electric. And, he would be great on this. I mean, you know, he, he, uh, he was, de- he was definitely the guy that for me, like being a pitcher and just being obsessed with it, like he's got stuff that just, you don't see every day. Um, and obviously like everyone else was super impressive and obviously torque. And I had a, I had the opportunity to play with uh, Bryson and Andrew and, in uh in Wareham before we shipped down to carry um but i mean i could go on and on about everyone else on that team the talent um but for me definitely meyer you know the slider and the curveball just being unhittable out of the bullpen at the time obviously he's going to be a really good major league starter but um yeah he was just he was just video game stuff yeah. and I, I loved it because he's like smaller guy and you know, you don't see that every day. And he also has an opportunity for something really special with this podcast. He has an opportunity to be the first 20, <laughs> 2020 uh, yeah, pitcher selection go. drafted on this podcast. So there all, all I'm saying is, Max, just think about it. Don't think about it. Just come on. That's all I'm saying here. We we like <laughs> we like to get the guests going on this podcast. Let's make it happen. And we have Mason. Mason now can back us up on this. We need Max Meyer on the podcast. Need a little bit more gophers in the podcast. <laughs> more guys from Minnesota. Yeah, I it just and <laughs> what do you think? So he, he, let me give you a scenario here. 
Did you guys do inner squads with Team USA? Uh, no. So we got down there right after. I mean, guys were coming from good schools, myself included. Uh, everyone had gone pretty deep in their tournaments. Um, so, you know, we had um, a lot of guys go play summer ball for a few weeks. Like I had two starts in, in Wareham. Um, and then we, we kind of shipped down. So it was like, all right, go play summer ball for a little bit stay ready and then come down. And then it was like day three. We were, we were, we were ready to go. Wow. Um, we, we scrimmaged the 18 U team and then we played the CPL all-star team, which is like the coastal plains league team. And then we had our, our five game set with Taipei right after that. Wow. And what about, how about that for a resume though? I mean, just having the team USA on the resume for the, for the draft board or whatever, is is just incredible. So, would you say that that atmosphere when you're facing Chinese Taipei is the best baseball atmosphere you've ever pitched in? Uh, I think Japan was a little bit more fun. We played Japan, and I got actually got a chance. I don't know if you ever seen the games where the uh, the Savannah Bananas play. Yeah, yeah. That place gets crazy loud. Yeah, like super old school baseball field in Savannah, Georgia, but they pack the house. Um, so that was probably the most electric atmosphere um but the best game we were involved in in usa was the game has started against against on july 4th on july 4th that was that was different you know because it's obviously the 4th of july and we have a crazy nail biter win against japan and then you know you're standing on the firework on the field for the fireworks with the usa jersey on you're just looking around to like a probably more than sold out crowd um that was pretty cool to be involved in. Yeah, for sure. And who who would you say is a guy that was on that team that was kind of underrated that you think should have maybe got a little bit more recognition with even the draft board or even talked about more on Twitter? Brian Packard. Who? Brian Packard. Both my boys from ECU, Jake Agnos and Brian Packard. Really? Where do they go? ECU. ECU, No, I mean, like, like, where do they get drafted? uh, I think Agnos was a fourth rounder from the Yankees with the Yankees uh, and Bryant was a fifth or fourth rounder with the Tigers. But wow. Uh, I think Bryant was the hardest hitter I had to face in three years in college. Like he gave me some trouble. Um, like he, it just felt like he was on everything all the time. And like, especially like feeling like I usually have the advantage lefty lefty. Um, Bryant just very uh, advanced with the bat at the plate for a college hitter. And then Jake just kind of made us look stupid my junior year. You know, like it was like, okay, he could go out and pitch for the Yanks tomorrow and and give them seven scoreless in the big leagues right now with the stuff he was coming out with, you know. Um, and just knowing how hard those both of those guys work um, and being in the same conference was cool to play with them on that team. Uh, but knowing like, all right, they got drafted – pretty high and stuff like that but even like like pack was super late added to our our team but he definitely deserved to be there more than anyone um same same goes with agnos just just i mean it, it, well, that's looking at the conferences right i mean and speaking of that conferences i and you said you know tyler osick who's a friend of the show front of the program one of the great guys what was he like you got you played him a couple times i'm assuming right yeah so i pitched he he was he in my draft or the draft before. The draft before, I think. Okay, so I remember playing him in freezing cold Connecticut, uh, and he probably hated it. Uh, but, yeah, we had some battles with UCF. I think my sophomore year we we, we beat them uh, two out of three at our place. Um, they actually lost on a walk-off wild pitch. I don't know if he remembers that, but <laughs> it happened. No, he's 2019, so he's your year. So he's a year, year, okay, year, so year, my, year. So, yeah. yeah, so I had faced him my junior year, too. Okay. I went down in UCF. It was actually one of my better starts um, that year. So okay. it was fun. Yeah. Always fun facing UCF. They were they were really good with the bats. It was a it was a tough battle. Yeah, no, I that conference is definitely pretty good. I mean, like I said, Eastern Carolina, East Carolina is just a freak nature school. Like they give Texas a run for their money in the regional. A couple oh, years ab- ago. absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they got really good coaching staff. Cliff Godwin was another coach with with USA. He's a great guy and. Um, he's just really built a really good baseball program down there. 
um, that they just win. And do you, and did part of you, because you said you were a Yankees fan, did part of you wish you didn't get drafted by the Yankees because then you'd have to cut your hair? That's the old, <laughs> that's what I'm wondering here because you have flow. I would, can't see. You have flow, so. Yeah, I would, uh, I would cut my hair for the Yanks. I'll, really? I'll probably, probably cut it short before I head back to if we have an instructs or spring training next year. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I'd give it up. I'd give it up if, if a team asked me to do it. I had to keep it shorter at UConn. I had to do the no shave thing at UConn. Um, I like my hair, but you know, at the end of the day, um, you got to do what the boss's ass, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. And and the Padres actually, they're kind of a wagon so far this year because we're, we're. I mean, we're, this interview's done tearing on, it up. Yeah, on the on the twenty eighth of July. Yeah. So as of right now, they're buzzing. I believe they're three and one or three yep. and zero oh, or whatever yep. they are. So I wanted to bring up this is off field. I wanted to bring up their jerseys. I mean, they're electric for people who think. Yeah, I are. mean, their jerseys this year. I dare someone to chirp their jerseys. They're amazing. I don't know what they did. I don't know if it's just me just noticing now they have good jerseys, or did they ch- did they change it? They're the yeah. So they, we went back to the brown. Okay, um, which yeah. I love because it's just it's a little old school, but they still look clean like like new school look. Um, yeah, everyone's talking about them, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, they're, uh, yeah, they're they are they are nice, the, especially the homes, the the pinstripe homes. They're they're fire. Oh, dude, they're <laughs> fire. The they're fire. You could go yeah. you could go two innings and give up 20 runs and you'd still look good. You still look good. Yeah, Absolutely. no, exactly. And Yeah. I like the brown. It just it's so different than all yeah, the Yeah, no other, one has a brown jersey. That's yeah, that's we were thing. we were with a navy blue and it's like 10 15 teams have some sort of navy yeah. blue in their color scheme and to just be brown is like you're di- it's different. The brown and gold is is just it's clean. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're right on that. It just it just looks cooler when you see that. And how are you? Like, where are you right now with your throwing progress? Are you throwing flat ground? Or are you throwing off a bump? Like, what's going on? Yeah, so I was off the mound uh, about eight or nine times. Um, and then, you know, with the question mark of what's going on right now, uh, we took a step back a little bit. So I shut down from throwing for a little while, um, just in the gym every day and focused on moving more efficiently and uh, repatterning my arm a little bit and getting back into, you know, better shape than um, than you do when you're just starting that beginning of the throwing program, but a year out, you know, body arm feels great. feels like tomorrow. If I wanted to start my throwing program back up and get on the mound, I could go out and get hitters out. So, um, it's been a good year. What do you throw? Like what, what's the speed like? Like, let's just say after your eight, like eight, uh, appearances, you said you were just throwing pens. What was the velo? Was it a little bit of a jump or was it just um, like steady? Yeah, it was coming out much easier than I was, banged up um i was still like low nines um but at like a lower effort level um and that's one of the things i'm working on you know reducing my effort level and, and trying to get that velo to climb back up to where i was post-surgery um so uh definitely an easier low nines than it had been in the past um i'd love to get a hitter in the box and see if i could push the envelope a little bit but you know we're, we're working every day on being efficient movers and um, just trying to get back to that for sure. So you think that max effort, let's just say you're feeling like you're feeling right now, max effort. You could probably hit, let's say high nines. If you really, really I don't know about effort. high nines yet. Mid I don't nines? know about high nines yet. I'd, I'd hope I could get into like the mid nines. That's where I want to want to be. Uh, that's what I'm working towards. Um, but at the end of the day, I still got to learn how to pitch and all that stuff. But, I'd love to to be mid-nines as a left-handed pitcher. I think uh, that would put me in a pretty good position to be successful. Yeah, and I, the getting of the to- Tommy John, and this may sound like just the dumbest comment ever, getting Tommy <laughs> John's kind of acts as like a performance-enhancing drug because you literally get a brand-new arm, right? I mean, you get a brand-new arm, you feel great again. It's electric. It's a legal PED. I wish I got Tommy John. I was a first base. <laughs> I stunk. So – yeah, in in a way, it, it definitely uh, puts you in line to do the work that's necessary to get your body in the right position, get it really strong. Um, we've done that over the last few months now. Uh, my my gym over here, Hops Athletic Performance, Matthew Hopkins and John Royan, who I don't know if you've been following the Pirates at all, but Nick Birdie uh, has kind of reinvented the way he moves. He's back to throwing uh 101 yeah that's after just, thoracic that's just outlet after thoracic outlet so um 
I spent a lot of time over the past few months with Nick doing our throwing program before he shipped back out to, to Pittsburgh. Um, but with John and Matt, um, just trying to move more efficiently and, uh, you know, I'm a high energy, high effort guy a lot of the time. Um, so I'm trying to, uh, reduce the effort that it takes me to get into the low to mid nines, um, and just be more consistent with it. Yeah. And if you can get in the high nines, I'd even be electric to a lefty high nines. You'd be like the top five prospect for the Padres within five <laughs> we'll seconds, see. within five we'll see. seconds. We'll see. Is that a goal for yours? Is like, would you say a goal for yours right now is to when the season starts, wherever it starts next year, to be in kind of mid-season form when it starts to just just surprise people right when you get into camp? I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to make an impact as fast as I can. You know, that's the goal is to to turn heads and to uh, make them know that the last year I didn't spend on my butt playing video games, but rather I've, I've really spent it um, trying to become the best player I could possibly be. You know, I was given a great opportunity to get surgery and that sounds crazy, but I've had the whole year and now it's going to be two years um, where I hate to use the pandemic as a positive thing because people are losing their lives. And yeah, uh, but I don't, I didn't end up missing any time as much as other guys did. Um, so I have no excuse, you know, to not come back into spring training next year and be the guy that they, they know I can be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is the goal definitely to turn heads and, and to get on the radar a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's crazy because, and if you think about this, like you said, looking at it from the positive, you, now you have an opportunity to not miss any service time. And people are be like, he's just injury prone. He missed last year. He missed this year. Now you have an opportunity to ideally go into next spring training fully healthy like you just got drafted, right? I mean, you don't really miss anything. So that's the good thing. I mean, it it, it is a really good thing. And what is your thoughts right now on – this is my last question, by the way. What are your thoughts right now on how Major League Baseball is going? Like, what do you think – how weird is it with no fans? Because for me, it's insanely weird. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting, especially seeing like the cardboard cutouts and stuff. I know I share probably the same opinion as everyone else. I'm just glad baseball is back. Yeah, same. You know, same. I've spent a lot of time the last few days just watching the games and uh, flipping uh, from game to game on MLB TV and stuff like that. Um, I'm just glad those guys are playing. And, uh, you know, I know a few guys that are playing, so I'm happy that they're getting to do what they love every day again. Um, but it's just been nice to have Major League Baseball back, and I, I hope, you know, everything can be uh, figured out so we can we can keep it going uh, through the end of the World Series because uh, that'd be a really great thing. Yeah, uh, we need baseball, especially yeah, we in do. this country. We definitely need baseball. We do need baseball. It's all right though. We got hockey coming back next week. I'm fired oh, yeah. up for it. Just, oh yeah, me gonna, too. It's gonna be great. I mean, I, and this and this is the thing where baseball just missed the cut because. Now, people aren't really relying that much on baseball being the only live sport on TV, right? I mean, yep. if baseball gets cut within next, I guess, let's say three weeks, four weeks, we have playoff hockey and playoff basketball to watch on TV. So it's yeah, not... Especially with my Rangers in the... Exactly. In the exactly. Yeah, and now you, got, now you got another outlet for people to watch sports. So baseball really missed the cut when to gain, like, gain, what is it, popularity in the sports world, but by starting earlier and this all could have been done earlier. That's all I'm saying. It's all could have been done earlier and baseball would have been watched by millions and millions and millions of people and maybe growth grow grew in popularity. Right. Yeah. Well, when you look at the numbers of people that were watching the KBO and, and all that stuff, um, you know, whatever content was going to be put out during quarantine was going to get consumed by someone one way or another. Um, but like I said, hopefully, you know, as you say, like hopefully baseball doesn't get shut down in the next coming weeks. And I do think all 30 teams will do the, do what's necessary to, one, keep the players healthy first and foremost, but also, you know, uh, put a good product on the field and ensure that us fans uh, get to see it. For sure. And we're going to end it off here. How excited are you to play with Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado in the next couple of years? It's pretty electric. It's pretty cool to watch, you know. Uh, having guys like that in the left side of the infield and they have no idea who I am yet, yeah. but um, it'd be pretty cool to turn around and, and see those guys fielding ground balls or just being in the lineup, you know, just being a part of uh, the San Diego Padres organization right now is pretty cool. I, uh, I, I do think in the next few years, we're going to make a, 
a pretty big splash. Yep, very underrated ballpark. And last like last week's episode, we had um, Anthony Bass say that that was his favorite park to visit, San Diego. That was that, yep. that was his favorite park to visit. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, especially to see that young core, that young talent. I mean, you have Canadian Cal Quantrill, guy yep. that I kind of yep. grew up around. He grew up close to me. Um, it's going to be electric to see. Like they're going to be a really nasty team in the NL if they can keep it going, keep it together. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what the Padres do. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And hopefully in the next few years, I can be be part of the big club for sure. And for sure. And and if you are, maybe I can have a maybe I can uh, maybe I'll claim the Padres in my NL team. We'll see. We'll, 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 you, we'll see. you might have to. We'll see. Uh, well, there you have it, man. I mean, uh, it's cool to look at it because a guy like a guy like you kind of starts starts off career starts off his career kind of hurt and now you're just kind of buzzing looking at it through a positive outlook your arm's good to go now you could probably i'm gonna say it you could probably hit high 90s right now if you tried <laughs> so there it is folks i mean former team usa member uh former face of uconn baseball and now he's with the padres man i really really appreciate you doing this mason yeah thanks for for having me on it's been fun and uh good luck to you as well in the in the future with the with the show Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you. Thank you.